0: Uh, if you're a little late to the Ryan Tuberty show this morning, I should probably explain that I am not, in fact, Ryan Tuberty, and neither are these two <laughs> men beside me, Ken and Murph. We're all from Second Captains. In for Ryan today. You can tweet us at Second Captains or at Ryan Tuberty Show.
1: I'm sure Ryan Tuberty doesn't have any uh, difficulty making holiday friends on. No. No. So I'm, he's okay. But so well, people
0: will flock to Ryan. Yeah, that is true. become his holiday friends. So then he can be a bit standoffish if he needs to. Yeah. He doesn't have to try as hard it's as I It's just that first
1: move that, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that, that, <laughs> that seems scary. to have hobbled us so Ru- far.
0: Remember the huge crowd in Russells of Rannell to get a look at Ken and the trophy. There were so many people there, we could only see the top of his head and the trophy. Free pint seekers still waiting to see there. Who remembers 97? Well, it was on this May, Bank Holiday Monday, 20 years ago that Ken Doherty was busy carving out, I'm going to say, one of the most popular victories in Irish sporting history by winning the World Snooker Championship 20 years on. He's back at the scene of his triumph, the Crucible Theatre, working for the BBC at this year's final. And I'm delighted to say he joins us from their studios in Sheffield. Ken, brilliant to have you on. How are things? Uh, Very good morning to you, lads. How are you? Yeah, we're great. We're getting a little bit nostalgic ourselves over here. (laughs) Have you found yourself getting nostalgic in Sheffield? Uh, i tell you, that was the
2: first time uh, I heard that little interview since all those years ago, 20 years ago, when you played that little bit with David Vine, you know, at the end. So it it sort of brings it all back. Yeah, you do get, you know, like the memories sort of come back. Can't believe it's 20 years, but you do get very nostalgic any time you come to Sheffield. You'll always remember... Your first time out out there, and you'll always remember you know the time that you've won it i mean that was a that was a boyhood dream come true of course you know
0: how well do you remember what was going through your mind in the in the closing mm. stages in particular, when did you allow yourself to believe that you were going to be stephen henry <laughs> i did I, you know something i
2: i didn't believe it until I was potting those last few balls and uh, I saw Tony Drago, he was in the the press box and uh, Tony Drago is a good friend of mine, I've known him for many years and he managed to... to, Get into the press box, I don't know how you know, but he managed to, to nick a seat in there, and he was at the bottom, which is at the, right at the bottom of the table and as I was potting the brown and coming around to the blue, I saw him sort of clapping like a seal in the press box, and it sort of and it sort of just brought a big smile to my face and then I realized that. I only needed the blue, and, and the pink was the formality, and then I was world champion because against Stephen Hendry, you're never too sure because he he's just such a he was such a great player. I mean, he had he hadn't lost there for five years. He was gone for six in a row. So uh before the before the final nobody would have given me a, a hope only you know my friends and my family and and people who had supported me and and uh you know putting those last few balls it was uh that's when I only just realized to be honest you know
0: I can imagine uh, the the sort of emotions you were going through and you mentioned your friends mm. who were there Finn Ruan is a guy who uh, is a good friend of yours I read a piece yeah. he wrote this week and he was talking about uh, well, I'll give you a, bit, a quote from it. Here was a guy I had known since we were 13 years of age mm. who I socialised with every weekend and had shared a home with in London becoming World Snooker champion and with it reaching the pinnacle of his career. All the failings and dreams of my own time as a player felt like they were exercised for me when he hoisted the mm. famous trophy that night in the arena. Like, that's an incredible yeah. effect to have on other people.
2: Yeah, it is. Uh, I mean, Finn and I sort of grew up playing, you know, as kids and we shared a lot of like dreams as like you know 12 and 13 year olds and and then of course we went to London together to try and you know become professional when we left school at 17 and uh, you know we were on a, a great journey together as, as a lot of my friends were at the time you know and uh, actually Finn is coming over to the world championships uh, today he's on the way over you know for the 20th anniversary and of course you know just to come to the the world championship final and uh, yeah shared many dreams and and he was uh, a very very good and very close friend and still is And after all those years it's nice to it's nice to hear those little stories it sort of brings a little tear to your eye when you hear that you know but it's uh, yeah it brought a lot of uh, great happy times you know because you know my friends and family we'd be all very very close you know and uh, I'm sure like they were potting every ball with me as I I was sort of uh, and going through all the Emotions, the highs and lows. Sometimes it's harder to watch than it is actually to play. You know.
0: Yeah, your your family tended not to go over. I think after a certain point of your no.
2: career. No, they couldn't go. They couldn't. They couldn't watch. Uh, they could watch it at home. Now my own, my mum's house there in Ranla was packed full of well-wishers and people from, you know, the papers and from RTE and I'm sure people from Radio 1 were there as well, waiting for the, you know, the, the first interview or the reaction and stuff like that. Um, and my mum went off on her bike, off on her travels from that day. She Nobody knew where she was. She was on her bike uh, going into every church in Dublin and lighting candles for me, you know, and uh, yeah, that was... Um, the place was uh, like in turmoil, you know. Uh,
1: yeah, and like Orty took the BBC feed just as we were saying there a couple of minutes yeah, ago for the first yeah. time to show on that Monday night. Mm. Did you have any idea how big uh, this was no. like at home? No, not really. I tried to, uh, I tried
2: to keep the phone calls down to a minimum. You know, I was like, I was in, a, I was in my own little bubble with uh, with Mick McLean, Mick my good friend, and uh, Pat Caulfield from Dublin, and we sort of tried to keep our own sort of little bubble and not get too carried away with all the excitement that was going on because sometimes that can sort of envelop you and it sort of can you can lose your focus a little bit and I thought if I knew exactly what was going on at home I wouldn't be able to pot a ball like in the final session so I, I knew I was on the precipice of something great uh, and something wonderful and I didn't want uh, any distractions so I tried to keep things down to a minimum and that story that you relayed about the uh, the superintendent and that, that is a very true story he told me that story when I came back to the mansion house and he Doherty. did call me Doherty Doherty yeah. by the way yeah. Oh, yeah. and typical the funny Garrett. thing was yeah yeah typical Garrett and the funny thing was he says um, he said Doherty you, said, you should be on television more often he says you make my job a hell of a lot easier <laughs> <laughs> well
0: you got the full Italian 90 treatment as well didn't you the open top <laughs> bus store
2: I know I, c- I couldn't believe that you know um in fact uh, Eamon Dunphy said to me he says you know when you win that he was over as well you know and he says when you win that world championship he says they'll they'll put a bus on for you you know you'll be coming down that O'Connell Street on an open top bus and I want to be there with you and I I want to get the first interview instead of Jimmy McGee he says you know and uh, but I never believed it was going to happen I really didn't believe it Uh, and uh, I was I was very very surprised when it it happened but it was just so wonderful you know coming off the airplane getting you know landing at Dublin Airport all the people waiting for you coming off the steps with the cup and then uh, the open top bus I mean all the cars were beeping like people hanging out the office windows waving flags and people run up beside the bus and line the streets of O'Connell Street all the way up to the mansion house and then of course Renly Renla was just Renler was just a party village like it was just fantastic you know
0: What about the family home? I presume it was
2: busy <laughs> It was inundated yeah my mother eventually returned after the final you know she got a apparently she got a puncture in her bike and she had to walk back from Donnybrook Church. That was her last port of call. Mm-hmm. Uh, and somebody had stopped her and told her uh, on the way home that I'd won and she was absolutely delighted. And when we when we went on the late, late show the following week and uh, they everybody, you know, the whole, story was relayed that she got a puncture on a bike even David Vian told me on the night in question even he knew that she got a puncture on a bike as I was picking up the cup and uh, we went on the late show the following week and uh, Pat Kenny presented her with a brand new bike, you know, in the audience. She was absolutely mortified and uh, she never cycled it. It was too brand new. It had a shiny <laughs> new, like, like a white uh, saddle and it was absolutely beautiful, but it was too brand new. She she just liked to stick to her old, like, you know, old crock of a bike, you know.
1: Yeah, and you're obviously an mm-hmm. absolutely huge Manchester United fan. Uh, yeah. So you were given the chance to parade the trophy at Old Trafford, I believe.
2: I was, yeah, and that was one of the... That was one of the great. That was one of the great things about being world champion. You know, it was like there was little sort of little perks that came with it. And uh, I got a phone call from Alex uh, John Parra, where it originated was. Uh, John Parra told me uh, he was a big Everton fan. He said he told me that he paraded the trophy around uh, Anfield because Everton were away that week but Liverpool council and Liverpool football club said look at we know you're from Liverpool the blue side but if you would like to parade the trophy uh, when he won it in 91 and so he parade it around Anfield and I thought Jenny I'd love to do that around Old Trafford that would be fantastic and I got a phone call from Alex Ferguson uh the day after uh I wonder what Champ, we said I know you're a big man United fan would you like to come and parade the the trophy around old Trafford I said what would I like to what <laughs> <laughs> uh, I nearly dropped the phone and he brought me around old Trafford um brought me up into the direct they were picking up the premiership trophy that day they were playing West Ham and um and he brought me into where the boys were sitting, like the first team and the second team. They were having their lunch that day, you know? And uh, I walked in with himself and Martin Edwards, I have the cup in my hand and he said, uh, lads, he said, uh, Ken Doherty is a big man United fan, just won the World Championship and he's going to parade the trophy around uh, Old Trafford. And uh, nobody moved, you know, <laughs> They're all, everybody just looked around and there was this deafening silence for about a minute and I felt like a complete lemon with this cup <laughs> in my hand. I didn't know what to do and... Uh, I thought like Roy Keane or Dennis Irwin, some of the Irish lads might get up. Yeah, 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 come on. Like uh, nobody moved at all. And uh, anyway, this big lad pushed his chair back, walked over to me, uh, shook my hand, and says, Congratulations, Mr. Doherty. And all I could say, I looked up at him because he was about six foot three, and I said to him, Thank you, Mr. Canton. <laughs> That's all <laughs> yeah. I could say. Uh, but it was a wonderful moment. And when I went out on the pitch, they were singing my name, and all the West Ham. Was There all the Man United fans were singing there's only one Ken Doherty all the West Ham fans were singing there's only one Ronnie O'Sullivan so I was brought back down there (laughs) very quickly you know You
0: you often hear Ken when sports people or people in any walk of life achieve something big achieve the ultimate aim Mm. that they Mm. it takes a while to sink in that's the standard cliched answer oh it hasn't sunk in yet was there a moment in the days that followed that it did sink in that you were world champion?
2: Um. I think it took a while. I think it took a long time. Uh, it was quite uh, just a wonderful feeling. You know, we were on such a high for, you know, for the whole season, really following it, you know, and I, I didn't have a particularly good season to following it until I got to the, the final again. But it took a long, long time. But every morning I'd get up or I'd come in uh, at my mother's house and, and, and uh, the cup would be on the television, you know, and she'd have it all. Beautiful, shining, like gleaming, you know. And I come into the, the sitting room and I pick it up and give it a big kiss. And she used to always do the same, you know. And it was, uh, it was only, it, it took a long time for it to sink in. But there was people always knocking on the door. Can we come in and get a picture with the cup? And you know, it was, uh, yeah, you were living on a, on cloud nine for like six or nine months,
0: I would say. You know, did it change your life? Is there an obvious difference looking at it now um, between the years before ninety seven compared <coughs> to what your life has been since then?
2: Um, did it change my life? You know, I think it didn't it didn't get didn't really change myself or you know the people around me. Uh, it just I presume sort of pe- people's perspective perspective of you had maybe changed. You know, you were you weren't just a an ordinary snooker player anymore. You were a world champion, and I suppose you're sort of. Your status went up as as a sports person, Um, and you became sort of more recognisable and stuff like that. You know, you used to get better seats in restaurants. You know, you never you never had to queue up like going into nightclubs that you know during during (laughs) the nineties. And anyway, that was for sure. But that was that was about it. Uh, You know, everybody any way you wanted. People would always like remember where they were in '97. Uh, you know on that fateful night when you won the world championship there's so many lovely stories like you know people saying oh, i was here i was watching it here i was you know i was across the other side of the world watching it and and it was just uh, it was just lovely you know but you know when i when i first uh saw alex higgins win in 82 and then of course Dennis Taylor win it in 85 that's what i wanted to do you know from that early age and it was uh, just to, to emulate those two great champions and do exactly the same it was just uh, it was just fantastic you, you can't get any better than that
0: you know as a, as a professional that attention that you talk about though that new status mm. that you had that can be troubling for sports people sometimes that that you're, you're suddenly catapulted into this other level of fame yeah, yeah. In, in a fairly small country everybody would, who has ever met you came and <sighs> talk about how down to earth you are. but did you have to work mm. at staying that way at staying grounded
2: no no that just um, that would come from the people around me, from my family, from my mother. Uh, they, that would come from that. They'd never let me, you know, get too uh, above myself because I'd be firmly brought back down to earth with a big bang if that ever happened. And I think that's that's where it comes from, from my background.
1: Uh, Of course, this wasn't the first time you'd have had to have, you know, deal with media intrusion, Ken. Here's a clip. Just after you won the World Amateur Championship in 1989, you're speaking to Joe Maxey. And I think maybe you haven't heard this in quite a while, so here goes. You have to spend hours and hours of practice. Do you have any social life at all? Um, Yeah, we get time
2: to go out. It's not as if I'm sleeping under the table every morning, you know. (laughs) I do practice a lot, but also we get time to go out and enjoy ourselves as well, just as much as anyone
1: else. So what would you do to relax?
2: Um go out disco dancing and have a few drinks play golf anything really you know just anything that I'm just like an average average guy you know I don't do anything spectacular
1: so if you've uh, witnessed Ken's disco dancing oh my god (laughs) in shocking (laughs) uh, please get in touch
0: (laughs) yeah uh, that's that That is
2: shocking that is shocking that (laughs) interview is it where did you dig that out of where did you dig
1: that out of (laughs) do you remember that Speaking to Joe Maxi uh, in 1989.
2: I, I remember being on Joe Maxi, yeah. I remember being on Joe Maxi. I can't believe I said I like disco dancing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Still going strong, I'm sure. Oh. Listen, the que- Is, is no, it true... Those days,
2: those days are well over.
0: <laughs> is it true that the cue that you won the World Championship mm. in 1997 is the same cue that you had since almost when you began playing snooker as a kid?
2: Yeah, it is. It's very true. I, I had that... Uh, I used to go into Jason's, like, you know, after... Every day, like after school, I'd get the bus home. You know, the skill bag would be thrown under the under the snooker table, and uh, what I used to do in Jason's like to get free time was like, you know, empty the ashtray, sweep the floor, do a bit of hoovering or whatever, uh, and I'd be I'd get a few games on the Space Invader machine or the Pac Man or the pinball machine, uh, and obviously then a few games on on the snooker table, and of course I knew every uh, snooker cue in the um, in the club, you know, and they'd always got back up on the on the on the on the queue rack. And somebody had left this queue behind. It wasn't like a house queue. It was obviously uh, somebody had been playing with it, left it behind. It was on the pill table. I picked it up and started playing with it. And I loved it. And um I asked the manager, I said, look, somebody has left this behind. If he doesn't come back and, and, and uh, keep uh, ask for it, he said, can I keep it? And he said, uh, in his broad Dublin accent, he says, well, give us a fiver for it and you can have it, you know. And I said, well, I don't have a fiver. So I ran around to my mum and I said, ma'am, look, I found this beautiful queue. He said, the guy wants a fiver for it. I said, you know, uh, I'll make it up to you, you know, I'll pay you back and I'll do whatever I can to, to, to get the money back for you, you know. So she gave me a fiver uh i went into the post office which was next to jason's at the time and i changed it into the old £5 notes you know and i uh, i put two in one pocket and three in the other and went back around to him with the with the queue and uh i put my hands into the the pocket with the 2 pound pulled it out and i said look at uh, my mum she couldn't afford the fiver. i said she already had she already had the 2 pounds you know and uh he looked at the queue He looked at the two pound and he says, give me the two pound and he (laughs) took the two pound out of my hand and that's the cue that I've had uh, since I was about 11 and it's the cue I'd won everything, the World Junior Championship, World Amateur Championship, World Professional Championship and anything else I ever won from that two pound cue, you know. You still use it And Needless to say, of course, I still gave the £3 back to my mother of course <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you, eventually you did yeah, yeah eventually did. started <laughs> yeah, making the big I probably, gam-
2: I probably gambled with it you know and I tr- tried to, to spin it up to a, a few more you know but still the same queue. I've had it since I was 11 I'm 47 now, so I've had it for 36 years and it's uh, it's uh, certainly repaid the £2 that I paid for. It was money well invested. And thankfully, nobody came back to reclaim it, otherwise I was rightly in trouble, you
1: know. Uh, this isn't like, uh, you know, Trigger's yard brush in Only Foods and Horses, is it? Where it's <laughs> no, You no. replaced it uh, yeah, part yeah. by part. <laughs> uh, it was
2: b- broken at the end uh, and I had to get a, 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 small, a small little... Um, uh, but just chains and stuff like that but that that's it now the shaft is the same and uh, I've had it all those years and it is a little bit warped as well it is true it is warped in the middle uh, and when you roll it on the table it sort of I was like a a boomerang but it's uh, it's something that I've got used to over the years and uh, yeah it served me well
0: One of the men you beat in 97 Mm. on your way to that world title although he did avenge that defeat in the final in 98 was John Higgins who's going to be out there today closing in Mm. on his fifth world title are you envious at all when you look at him a friend a contemporary Uh, uh, Yeah
2: I am I I was looking uh, you know when they set the table up there for uh, when they took the two tables out and it's down to one table and uh, I was looking at the one table and I said, wow, I got envious. I thought, wow, wouldn't it be something special going out there? How de- how those guys are feeling? You know, Mark Selby, defending champion, John Higgins, you know, one of my main adversaries, you know, all the way through like the 90s and the 90s, of course, you know, someone I beat on the way to the world championship. And then he beat me the following year in the final when I was trying to defend it. Uh, and I was I was a little bit envious, yeah, I thought but how special it would be for him, you know, going out and what he'd be feeling and trying to win his fifth world championship which is quite quite incredible. He's one of the best players that we've ever seen in the game. Uh, one of the nicest guys, one of the toughest opponents. And uh, it would be an, an amazing achievement if he could win his fifth world title and tie al- along with the the great Ronnie O'Sullivan.
0: You've mentioned your mum Rose a few times mm. already over mm, uh, the last 20 minutes or so, Ken. We're very sorry to hear that she passed away really recently just a, a clearly huge influence e, anytime I've heard you speak at length about your career the influence of your mum seems to come up time and time again
2: mm, yeah she was yeah she was a great woman worked very very hard we lost our father uh, when I was 13 so obviously you know she had a tough job bringing up the four of us but she was uh, she was a great influence and uh, she never Wanted me to be a snooker player that was the funny thing you know she wanted me to get a real job like you know she used to say that to me even you know when i was a professional and you know she never liked the attention i remember when i came back after winning the world amateur championship and again it was like meeting and greeted at the airport and i i hugged her and kissed her and gave her the cup you know and she says with all this attention she said live on 6-1 news I wish you never had a one. You know, <laughs> she was she was that type. She was that shy, uh, but she was a great worker. She had great faith as well. She went to mass every day, uh, praying for me and the rest of us as well, in the family. Of course, my two brothers and sister. And uh, she had a she had a tough life, like you know, losing her husband so young. She was only forty nine when she lost her husband. So, but she was a great influence. Great influence on us all, and. Um, yeah, at least, uh, you know, I'm glad in a way that she saw me uh, win the world championship. And uh, I just hope that she would have been proud of me, you know, because, uh, you know, she sacrificed a lot. And anything I did or won, you know, was certainly for her and what, what what she did for us. Like, you know,
0: I think it might have been that Finn Ruan article again that I read where he described the scene in Ranlev when you arrived home and your mother everybody else was making a massive fuss as you mentioned there and your mother treated you as as though you'd just sort of arrived home from a normal day uh, in an office job.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, Well, that's that's what she would have. You know, she... That's the way she was. She was a real good old country woman, and uh, you know, she she never had any airs or graces. Could say anything to you, you know, and she, uh, you know, anything that was in her mind just came straight out. There was no beating around the bush, you know. And uh, whether I was world champion or not, I was only just her son, and she she was delighted, you know. She, you know, but the attention sometimes she didn't like too much, you know. And she used to bake quite a lot. I tell this funny story that like she used to bake. She was a cook all her life, you know, and uh, but every on Saturdays and weekends, uh, her apple tarts became very, very famous. And uh, sh- the local uh, Peter, the who owned a local spa, asked her, "Would she make a few apple tarts on the Saturday?" You know, so she used to make apple tarts on the Saturday, and they'd be they'd be gone like after a couple of hours. So uh, we used to have to sometimes drop the uh, apple tarts down unless somebody from the spa had to come up, you know. And of course, uh, one Saturday morning, they were too busy down the spire. Nobody had come up. So uh, Muggins here had to get up out (laughs) of bed with a full breadboard of about 12 apple tarts. And I'm walking down the middle of Renly, at about ten o'clock in the morning, uh, just won the world championship, and I'm carrying these twelve apple tarts to the local <laughs> spa for me for me mother with people like beeping the horn, you know, Darty, what are you doing? Is this a part-time job?" You know, uh, and that was that was that that's what it was like in my house. So whether you're a world champion or not, you still had to do the the apple tart run to the local spa.
0: You know, people might have seen you recently on the restaurant the TV show. Yeah. Did you make any apple tarts there? <laughs> any of your mum's cooking? Uh, no, I mean. You know the
2: the menu that we picked for uh, the show, which was fantastic. I really had such a wonderful time. It was doing it. You know, it was a great, great experience. And um, uh, Louise, who was the the pastry chef, she uh, I told I told her about my mum's cooking and stuff like that. So we thought like half of the menu was an old really to my mum and, and us growing up, like a f-, you know little things that we used to look forward to, like fish on the Friday, fish called cannon on the Friday, uh, you know, a chicken and mushroom, volivant that was a treat, like, you know, during the, you know, the 70s and 80s. And of course, the uh, the trio of desserts was an apple tart, lemon meringue, and uh, like a chocolate eclair. And uh, I think she did yes. a really good job, Louise. It was fantastic. And, uh, you know, the funny thing was, and the sad thing was that even though I wanted to do this restaurant and, and it was like a... A dedication, really, to my mum, and that—that that she didn't actually get to see it, but I think she she would have been. Uh she she would have liked the field and she would have eaten it. She would have had some criticism about it, <laughs> I'm sure, being my mother. You know, I wouldn't have done the Cannon like that. You know what I mean? I would have done it a bit different or, you know, but she, I think she would have enjoyed it. But and sadly, she never got to see it, unfortunately, you know.
0: Some text coming in for you here, Ken. Met Ken Doherty many years ago at the Malta Open. I was on holidays with a friend. We chanced our arm at the mid-session interval and asked the guy at the door to c- tell Ken D'Arty that two Irish lads were looking for a chat. Ken came out, spoke to us. <laughs> such a relaxed, uh, I'm down to earth kind of guy. Such a relaxed and down to earth guy. I'll never forget that from Marin and Waterford. Ask Ken, does mm. as he you know? Is there any Irish snooker coming through? So I suppose what the scene is like now.
2: Yeah, um, there's some there's some great talent there in Ireland. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of the, a lot of the snooker clubs, you know, like uh, property got so expensive in Ireland. Uh, to keep a snooker table, it, it's very very difficult for it to pay, and so a lot of the snooker clubs are are closing down. But it's still quite popular. I mean, when I did that show, uh, Lucky Break on uh, Satanta, looking for you know a sort of a, a, a young prodigy, there was lots, and I was I was quite hopeful of lots and lots of talent, young talent, you know, like kids of ten, eleven, twelve, fourteen. Uh, so hopefully somebody will come through. It's it, it is very very difficult. Um, but hopefully somebody will come through from from
0: Ireland again. Ken, just the, you know, you're 20 years on now, and mm. in fact, before I ask you about that, I want to ask about the significance of it looking back now, but you are, you didn't qualify this year, which meant you were mm. at least able to go straight into your BBC work, and you're doing a phenomenal job there, working mm. with these sort of legends like Stephen Hendry and Steve Davis. Yeah. You must be pretty proud of what you're doing in there. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoy it, you know, and...
2: Um, as I said, like if if I wasn't working for the BBC, I'd be sitting at home watching it for the 17 days on the couch and anyway. way. Uh, mm. But I really I really do enjoy it. They're a great bunch of lads, um, you know. They're, they're great champions and great commentators and great analysts. And like you know, we all sort of get on very very well. As I love. I love working with like the likes of Virgo and Dennis and 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 uh, Willie in the commentary box. You know they're completely different to to the likes of Steve and JP and Stephen Hendry, even in the uh, studio, and of course Hazel as well and Jason. But um, it's it's completely uh, different from you know when you're when you're playing. It's not nothing beats playing, and you'd love to be out there playing and competing and and uh, watching watching the uh, final today. But you're still involved, you know, and you're still, you know, you, you're talking about you're talking about a game that you love, and and uh, it's it's just it is it, it, I I love working with these guys, you know, they they become like really good friends now over the years, and uh, it's uh, it's nice to be still a part of it. I'd rather be playing there though sure. today, to be honest.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, no, it's lovely to reflect on something that was so significant. Not mm. like, we just, we don't have many Irish world champions in anything really. Mm. It has the significance yeah. of achieving that hit you more as the years have gone on Uh,
2: I think you sort of you get a little bit softer in your old age and then you sort of say yeah well you know at least I was sort of world champion and you know I sort of I won it once I I wish I had it won it more times I tried my hardest you know it would have been nice to you know to be Higgins in 98 or even to win it in in 03 when I lost that close final to Mark Williams in 16 Um, You sort of, you look back and you say, yeah, well, at least my name is on that cup and it was nice to be world champion, you know. And uh, you do sort of get a little bit nostalgic in your old age as you you get a bit older.
0: Listen, we better let you get to work there. It's a big day on the BBC. (laughs) Thanks so much for taking the time this morning. Great to talk
2: to you. No problem. And uh, good luck with the show, lads.